You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. Good to be here. I probably picked the wrong week to speak with the kids leaving and me trying to organize that, but, but uh, I'll get through this. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, this morning, Lord. I pray you give me clarity, give us ears to hear your word. I pray that you would uh, open... Uh, the beauty of, uh, of prayer to us, Lord, the beauty of intimacy with you, Father. I pray you would um, show yourself to us today, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so kind of on this theme of prayer, intercession. Intercession is praying on behalf of someone. It's standing in the gap, literally praying for your children or for your church. And a few weeks ago, Antley talked about times of dryness. He talked about the, the need for perseverance through seasons of dryness, seasons of dullness, seasons of, of struggle. And I kind of wanted to hit on that because I believe all of us experience that. I mean, if we're honest, we all go through seasons that really are a struggle for us to connect with God. It could be in worship. It could be reading the, reading the Word. It could be um, just prayer in general. And there are, there, there are different reasons why I think that happens. It happens because maybe something has happened in our life that's traumatic and we don't find it easy to, to trust, trust God for a season. We may, may struggle with um, prayer in that sense. Or it could be because we're just so busy. I mean, that's probably, for me, a, a huge thing is just the busyness of life, of having kids and, and getting up at four in the morning because the kids cry, and then you try to get up at six to have a quiet time and you go back to sleep. You know, that, that, that happens because we're, we're busy. So over time, the dullness and dryness sets in in that season. Or it could be because we have struggles with habitual uh, struggles or sin, that we have things in our life that we feel like bring condemnation and bring shame. And so we have this, this season, it could be months, it could be years. And I believe there are people here today that, that need a touch from God to break, break into your life, to, to break off that stuff. But I believe it, we all have seasons of that. And I, and I wanted to talk about that, uh, that there are, there are tools or disciplines, dare, dare I use that word discipline, but there are ways that God has given us practically to deal with or to confront the dryness in our lives, to confront the dullness in our lives. And one tool, it's not the only one, it's not the only discipline or, or whatever, but there's one that I want to talk about today, and it's fasting. Such a popular thing, fasting, starving for Jesus. No. Um, but no, it's, it's like not a popular topic. You probably have not heard many talks on, on just fasting. It's like, it's, it's, it's a little bit taboo. But I want to talk about fasting because I believe God has provided this discipline to position us to receive more of him. I want to say, first of all, that all of us in Christ, if you're a believer of Jesus, in Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, you have the same access to God that anyone else does, whether you're a one-day-old Christian or you're a 27-year-old Christian. You have the same access to God because of what Jesus has done. His blood has freed you from sin, and you are... You are truly free, and you, you are a billionaire in the spirit, so to speak. The problem is we don't know how to access what God's done for us most of the time. It's there for us, but we don't, we don't tap into it. So the power is there, or the joy is there, or the freedom is there, and many of us live as if we're, we're homeless, you know, when, we're, when we're actually we're billionaires in the spirit. And so I want to do a quick illustration. This could totally bomb, but if I could have my friend Craig come up real fast. I have this little illustration, kind of a visual thing. I wanted to show, Craig is my, um, 
Some people would say my twin brother. We, we, we look alike, I think, but I've had people come up to me and call me Craig, and his wife one time almost kissed me, I think, one time. She thought I was Craig. Slapped your butt. She, that was, that was yeah. the word she used, yeah. So, okay, Craig, so this is Captain Christian here. This is all of us. Okay, let's hold this, uh, this water. You can hold this, buddy, and hold Captain Christian here. Okay, you can hold this, too. You have to use two hands. Sorry. Okay, so all of us have access to God in the same way. This is the water. This is the access. I know this is going to be a lot, a lot here. Okay, but we feel, some of us feel like this. Here's Captain America, and we have a little helmet on our heads. And so the water's pouring out. Oh, gosh. Electric. Electrical, yeah. So we all have access the same way. The water's pouring out. We don't, we don't feel it, though, because whatever. Do you see that? I'm getting soaked. Man, this is a bomb. Okay, so... That's how many of us feel. We feel dull and dry. Some of us, we feel like we're in worship, you know, once a month, and oh man, the spirit moves, and we feel the goosebumps, and we get a little bit of it. That's really getting all over the, oh boy, that's the sound system. There's 4,000 gone. Okay, so we feel like that. Like we feel we get a little bit of it, but it's not pouring out. It's not like a regular thing, or we feel like somebody else has it, and we don't have it, or whatever it may be. So fasting, what fasting is supposed to do, what it does, is it's concentrated time. It's concentrated. It's still the same water. See, now he's getting baptized here. So, he and I both. Yeah, sorry, Craig, you're now bat- in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, thanks, Craig. That's it. Give, give him a hand, folks. Sorry if that was a... Uh... All right. So, the fasting is the concentrated turning to God. Even though the water is pouring out in the same way, it doesn't, it doesn't earn anything for you. It doesn't make you holier or super spiritual. And there's a lot of confusion about that. When I stop eating, does God become happier with me? That's just not true. Fasting simply positions your heart, positions your soul to receive what God has done. Fasting is voluntary weakness. And what happens is when you fast, you realize you're weak in every way. You know, Christy, remember, talked about weakness last week, and she said weakness is what qualifies you for God's power. And if you believe you're strong, that disqualifies you. God actually opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So fasting causes us to feel weak. And what happens is we realize we're not just physically feeling weak because we're hungry. We feel like we're we're aware of our own spiritual weakness. And, And when God sees that humility, he brings breakthrough. He brings his presence. He brings his love. And so what happens is you fast— the first day is always, you know, a hard one because it's, because we're, you know, you're, you're starting something that's, that's not natural, maybe. Starving yourself. But, but you're, you're, you're spending time with the Lord during those times you would have, would have been eating. And slowly, God shows himself faithful to you. And you realize after a period of fasting, all I really need is, is God. I can, you can go a long time without food. I want to mention that real fast. The, the, um, the reality is, as Americans, I mean, you think about... If you miss one meal, what do you say? I'm starving. I'm starving. I mean, I, I missed one meal two days ago just because I, I was busy, and I was like, I'm starving. I'm like, none of us have never known what starving really is, probably. I mean, we, we've never been starving. I mean, you can go a long time without food, and there are new, not new, but in the last 10 years, I would say, the medical field has used fasting in different ways to treat medical problems, from cancer to diabetes to other things. So I'm just going to read a few things, because I think a lot of us are probably thinking, this is crazy. He's talking about not eating 
food for a day or a couple days or how, how long is he talking about? It can't be healthy, in other words. It can't be good for me not to eat food, logically. So this guy, Dr. Walter Longo from USC uh, University, says fasting two to, f- two to four days, this is, just a, this is not a Christian, reboots the immune system. That's from Medical News Today, June of last year. It re- reboots your immune system because your, your organs are at rest. So your stomach, your liver, all this stuff is at rest. And so what happens is, your body goes from burning glucose, sugars, to burning fat. So it's like extreme dieting. So, but your body, goes, your body goes into that thing called ketosis, and you're burning pure energy. I fasted one time for a number of days, whatever, and I don't remember how many it was, but I remember playing 18 holes at Cecil Field in July, walking 18 holes while I was fasting because my body was burning pure energy. Now, again, the first few days are, are not great, because we're getting rid of toxins in our body. That's, that's the next guy. He says this. Michael Mosley says, um, or uh, yeah, from Oxford, says that fasting detoxifies your body because toxins stored in the body, fat, are burned up, so we have a greater sense of feeling good. So what happens is you drink coffee, Coke, you know, all the stuff we put in our bodies, the sugars, the caffeine, the toxins. Then you stop, and you go through withdrawal, in a sense. And you, the stuff that you've been addicted to that you didn't even know about, your body's beginning to rid itself of, the toxins. And so it comes out uh, in various obvious ways, and it, and it comes out, and you begin to feel better because you, you're, you're, you're detoxifying. This doesn't happen over, you know, two meals. It may happen over a little longer time. But the point is, fasting is used to detoxify. So that's one of the benefits. And then Dr. Marouf from, Oxford, or from, uh, yeah, from Oxford says, intermittent fasting shows people see improvements in blood pressure, cholesterol, and insulin. So these are all just non-Christian medical uh, professionals that talk about the benefits of fasting. There are warnings for fasting. I want to say that before uh, I, get, I get going here scripturally. Um, if you're pregnant, you probably shouldn't fast. I mean, it's probably not a good idea to fast if you're, if you're pregnant. If you're a diabetic, there's certain risks. Talk to a doctor, certain medications that you're on uh, for, for emotional conditions. Or if you, have, if you struggle with eating disorders, if you've, if you've, if you've had any, a disorder in the past, fasting may not be a wise thing for you. Let's look at some scriptures, though. Here we go. So Matthew six sixteen, Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. When you fast, don't look somber. So in other words, in Jesus' day, there was fasting all the time. It was a common thing. It was normal to do it. So these leaders, these Pharisees, would actually go around and they'd be like, man, I'm fasting for you, dude. I'm praying for you, man. It's day seven. I'm really struggling. You know, that kind of thing. And they would kind of show off. They would show off their spirituality. And Jesus is saying, don't look somber. Don't, you know, try to make others know what you're doing. If they ask you, don't, you know, don't lie. But the point is, it's supposed to be a, a private thing between you and the Lord. It's not supposed to be something you shout from the mountaintop and go, oh, I'm, I'm praying for you, man. I know you're lost. You know, yeah, yeah. So th- that's one thing. But it, interestingly, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. He says, when you fast, because it's expected. It's not, it's not an abnormal thing. It was a common thing. So it's, it's not for the super spiritual Christians. Psalm 35, 13, David is talking. He says, when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. He's talking about really his enemies, actually. And this, this points to one of the reasons people fasted, again, biblically, throughout history. He's praying for breakthrough in, a, in, in physical healing. 
and he's fasting on behalf of somebody else because he knows that when he fasts, he's going to pray and seek the Lord on behalf of someone else for their breakthrough physically. So that's one reason people fast is on behalf of someone else and, and for their breakthrough. It could be something else besides physical healing. Jeremiah 36, 6 and 7, second reason people, uh, the body fasts, says, Go to the house of the Lord on the day of fasting. Read to the people from the scroll the words of the Lord that, that you wrote as I dictated. And it says, skipping down, perhaps they will bring their petition before the Lord and turn from their wicked ways. So corporate change. People, people fasted then and now to see change in their church, in their city, in their family. They, they fasted together. They would say, they'd say why, why don't we as a city group or why don't we as a church, like we did last January, fast for change, fast for revival, fast for something coming up in our, in our city. They fasted, in this sense, to turn people back to God. So one was for breakthrough physically, for healing. One was for corporate change and revival. The third one is from Acts 13. It says, 13.2, While they are worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. So again, they were fasting. This is the New Testament church. It was just common. They needed to make a decision about who was going to lead the church. They sought, sought God with prayer and fasting. And Barnabas and Saul was set apart for the work that they were called to do. And then skipping down the next, the next, the next chapter, we see Barnabas and, and Paul uh, as leaders. It says, Barnabas and Paul appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. It was a common thing. So they, they fasted for a decision. They fasted for clarity from God. So another reason why we fast is we need, we need clarity. We need to hear God clearly. So we're fasting for breakthrough, cultural change in our, in our church, or we need to make a decision in our lives, and we don't know what the answer is, and so we seek God. So during those times when you'd be eating, you're spending time with the Lord. And that's the point. If, if there's no prayer with your fasting, all you're doing is starving. <laughs> that, that's simply it. If, you're, if, you're, if there's no prayer with the fasting, you're just dieting for dieting, really. And that's, that's not what we want. Prayer always goes with fast. All those verses talk about prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, or worship and fasting. But the greatest reason I believe we fast, the highest, I guess, value of fasting is what Jesus kind of redefines because he's confronting legalism. And fasting can look very legalistic. It can come across as hyper-spirituality or you're trying to earn something from God or you're trying to prove something to God or show off for your friends at church or something. And he's confronting this issue. And so this is the, the verse I want to focus on, this, this verse in Matthew 9, 14 and 15. It says this, The disciples of John, this is John the Baptist, came to, came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Let me stop there. So John the Baptist was part of this group called the Essenes. They were a pretty, pretty radical group in, in a good way. They were just very very minimalistic. They fasted. They ate, you know, very simple, like locusts and honey and stuff like that. Basic stuff, good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and so they fasted all the time. And, so that, and, they're, and they're like, why, why are Jesus' 12 disciples not fasting? And they also say the Pharisees fast often because the Pharisees told everybody they fasted. The, fa- the Pharisees walked around, I'm fasting for you, dude. You know. And so, so they say to them, why, why are you guys not fasting? Because Jesus' disciples were not fasting at the time for some reason. And Jesus says this, he said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
So the bridegroom, or the, in other words, the groom, Jesus is using a, a marital analogy. And he's calling himself the groom, and he's calling us, the church, his bride. And he's saying, can the friends of the bridegroom, can the friends of the groom, fast while he's with them? In other words, why would they fast right now for, 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 for being with me? Because I'm with them right now. I'm, I'm already with them, so there's no need for them to fast. But a day will come when I'm no longer with them, and they will long for me, and then they will fast. So what he's talking about is fasting for intimacy with the Lord. He is saying, you are my bride. I love you, not not in an essential way in any way, but you're my bride, individually and corporately. And he's saying a day will come when when fasting is seen more than just those things I talked about. Fasting is is for greater communion with with him as as the king of kings and as as your bridegroom. And so he's saying the day will come when I'm taken away and then they will fast. And that's the time we're in right now. We're, we who are struggling with intimacy or, or dullness or sins, he's offering us a way, a practical tool to deny ourselves and choose willful brokenness, willful humility, willful weakness to know him in a better way. Because what happens when I fast is I see the idols of my life. I see the idols in my life very clearly. And I have to confront those things. Sometimes those things are food. I mean, food is a, is a huge idol in America that we probably don't even think about. But we love, I love food. I mean, I, am a, I, I love dessert. I love cheesecake. I love cookies. My wife can tell you. My coworkers can tell you. I ask about dessert every time we have a meal. Where's dessert? And I can eat some, some dessert. And so I'm confronted with that. When I fast, I'm confronted with, do I love this? Lesser pleasure? It's not, it's not wrong. But do I love this lesser pleasure more than the presence of, of my, my bridegroom, my, my king, my lord? Do I, do I love that? And he, when you fast, when we fast, we are confronted with the things that we trust in, the things that we turn to. And God exposes those things, and he shows us in the time of fasting that all we really need is him. And that really was what happened. I, mean, I, I had a friend, this is an extreme example, a very extreme example. I would never say this is a normal thing, but I had a friend who was a worship leader up in Washington, D.C., at my old church, and she fasted, this is crazy, 40 days, three times a year. Three times a year. That's 120 days. That's, that's every three days, basically. That's, that's a third of the year she fasted because she wanted to have such anointing and such presence of God when she led worship that God would, God would just flow right through her. She wanted nothing of herself. And, and, and it, was, it was unbelievable when she would lead worship. It was like heaven had come down. But that, wasn't, that was not, I would say, the Lord put that on her heart. That's not normal. But you can go a long time without food, folks. She went 40 days, three times a year, until she got pregnant and, and stopped doing that with her, with her kids and stuff, obviously. But the point was, we often think, I can't go, I can't go a day, or I can't go two days. Like, you can go a long time. As long as you're drinking, hydrating yourself, drinking you know, juice, drinking water, you can go a long time without food. And the Lord, the Lord not, is not rewarding you, but you're simply positioning yourself under what he's already got for you in store, what he's already purchased for you in Christ. It's there for us, but sometimes our hearts are dull. We've got idols, we've got sins, we've got struggles. And so fasting is just a simple tool that the Lord has said, I invite you into this. Christy Wimber talked about, again, like I keep going back to what she said about weakness. Like the weakness is what qualifies you. 
It doesn't disqualify you. And fasting simply shows you you're weak. And it shows you that we're spiritually weak. And that's what God wants. He wants brokenness and contrition. He wants, he wants a humble heart. That's what he works through. He works best through weak vessels. And so fasting simply shows us we're weak. And, I, and, and we need the Lord. And that's the, that's the goal, ultimately, is that we would have communion with God. So it makes us, it tenderizes our hearts. One of the benefits is t- tenderizes our hearts. It changes our desires to desire him only. And it makes us healthier um, in, a, in a physical way, healthier by detoxifying our body. Let me read you a quote, quote from John Piper. It says this. I believe, he says, I believe that if we sought the Lord with the hunger of fasting, there'll be many more breakthroughs that we longed for. There's something you've been praying for for a long time. Is there an unbeliever that you would like God to awaken to spiritual things? Is there a broken relationship you want God to reconcile? Is there confusion about direction in your life? I believe God is calling us to rediscover the place of fasting in appropriating his power. Appropriating his power. So it's already there. Appropriating just means taking hold of it. Appropriating is just taking hold of what God's already done. And, and, and God offers this. All those reasons he pro- I just went through, he provides there. So, so let me say this. I, I kind of decided to change this, this last night, actually. But, but you know, I, I oversee the children's ministry now in high school and middle school, and I oversee those ministries, and it's been about three months now. And my heart, you know, f- feels the, the burden of this ministry in a way that it obviously didn't before. And I believe the Lord, I believe the Lord wants to bring breakthrough in our, in our ministry to kids. In, in high school, down to the nursery. And there's been a lot of pain this past year for families in our church with, who have experienced great losses in areas of, of, of family. And I believe that the fasting and prayer, prayer essentially, is, this, is one of the solutions to this. I don't know what's happening necessarily. I don't know if it, I don't want to claim it's this or that, but I believe God wants to bring breakthrough in our families. And, it, and you may not have any problems right now with your family. You may not have any problems with your, your walk with the Lord, but maybe the person across the aisle from you does. And God may be calling you to pray for them or to fast for them because we are a family. Honestly, I say that. The kids are in here today. I feel like we are truly a family. And so we're connected so if, if one part of the family has a, a knife through their hand, the rest of the body feels that. And we should feel that. It's more than just being about you and Jesus. Or me and it's me and my personal walk with God. It's just me and Jesus. It's bigger than that. You guys are literally part of a bigger story in this church and in this city. And we are, we are called to carry the burdens of one another. So I want this year so much that we would fast and pray as the Lord leads you for our kids, for breakthrough in health, physical health, and breakthrough in spiritual health, that we'd have a high school ministry that's vibrant and, 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 and growing. These things are hugely important to God, and I, and I believe they've been under assault in a lot of ways. And so I'm just asking you as a family, not because I'm overseeing this, this ministry, but because I'm, I'm seeing it more clearly, I guess, because I'm in this position, but I want our kids, true kids, to experience the presence of God in worship here and over there. I want them to, to understand the word of God. I want our kids in the nursery, all the way up through kindergarten, to be blessed as they're being 
their diapers being changed. I want them to be prayed for. I want them to be loved. I want our middle school kids and high school kids to have mentors in their lives that would speak truth in their lives. Men and women of this church leading, caring for, empathizing, earning the right to tell them about Jesus on a weekly basis. I want that for our church. And that's not going to happen because we create more ideas and more programs. It's not going to happen because we get get a new book that just came out off the bookshelf and go, oh, this is how you do it. It's going to happen because the power and presence of God comes into our midst and calls kids to the beauty of Jesus' love. It's going to happen because of that. We need, yeah, we need his presence more than we need more programs. We do. We need his presence. We need his presence in the worship in there in kids' crew. So they, they feel him and they go, that's what I want. That's what I want more than my freaking video games. I want Jesus. I mean, honestly, folks, I, 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 this burden is so heavy on my heart that I, I want our kids, the word is consecration. I want our kids to be set apart for God, that they would leave high school, they would say, he is better than anything the world has to offer. I want nothing else. I want nothing else. I mean, that's, that's, maybe that's idealistic. But he is better than pornography. He's better than my grades and my sports achievements. He's better than popularity. He's better than whatever that kid is putting in their lives or being confronted with every day, that he would know or she would know the love of the Father and have confidence when they go to college to stand up against the tide coming towards them of temptation. That's what I want. And that's going to come through people of prayer and fasting. It's not going to come through the staff thinking of new ideas. Ooh, we've got a new one here. Let's, let's put, a, let's put a, a new water slide in or something. I mean, that, it's not going to, that's not going to change kids' hearts. So I'm challenging you to a greater level, I guess, of, of risk in your faith. If you don't need to fast for yourself, then fast for the kids for your kids. <laughs> And fasting can be different. I want to say that. It may be not food. Maybe it's something else. If you can't fast, it may be, I'm going to not watch TV for a month. I mean, maybe I'm not going to do a hobby for a month so that you dedicate that time spent to the Lord and praying. Because again, fasting without prayer is just starving. So that's where I want to end. Let me, let's all stand. And I'm going to pray for us. But I really want to ask the Lord to show us any area that he may want to call us to to fast, to pray, to seek for our families, for our church, for our, um, whatever it may be, for breakthrough. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that you have already paved the way for us, God, that you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights as preparation for temptation. You fasted for preparation for temptation, Lord, to walk in freedom to walk in power. And Lord, I pray that that reality would, would hit us, God, that we can, through willful weakness, experience more of what you have for us, Lord. So I pray you'd show us even now, God, any area that you want us to give over to you, that we need breakthrough in, whether it be intimacy or our families or health. God, I pray that you would show us. Thank you that you're a tender father. Thank you that you're a a trustworthy leader, that you're you're good, Lord, and you're strong, and we can trust you with our our lives. Father, would you speak to us right now and show us any area that you want us to give over to you? I pray for revival, God, in our kids. Lord Jesus, I just come to you right now, and I pray that you would move in our ministries to kids, Lord, and I pray you would pour out your spirit, and I pray you would move kids' hearts to find 
your love and to experience your love and your grace. Would you have mercy on this generation, God? Would you have mercy on the young people of RCC and call them to yourself, God? Call them to a bigger story. In Jesus' name, amen.